Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Tonight, we are talking about professional development in a recent survey done by Corwin. We have two amazing guests coming on today to talk all about the state of teacher professional learning survey that recently came out involving over six thousand teachers from all across the globe looking forward to talking to them today about this if you are out there and are in the professional development field we want to hear from you of course there's several great ways to be a part of this and all of our shows you can find us on twitter at teachercast leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail email us at feedback at teachercast.net and of course subscribe to this and all of our shows at teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. And of course, welcome back to TeacherCast. Tonight we're talking all about professional development. My first guest is the director of professional learning at Corwin. I want to bring on Dr. Sonja Hollins Alexander. Sonja, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yes, I am the Director of Professional Learning um, for Corin, and um, just have an extensive amount of experience in K-12 education. Most recently, I'm leaving um, a district in the Atlanta, Georgia area as a Director of Professional Learning and just love, love, love learning. And you've been a, a teacher, you've been a principal, administrator. Yes. It is so nice to have you on. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. My next guest is the president of Corwin. I want to bring on Mike Sule. Mike, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what is going on these days at Corwin. Well, I've been here at Corwin for seven years. Um, it, we've gone through an extraordinary change. Really, it reflects what's been happening in professional learning in the United States and around the world. Corwin has always been a blue chip publisher of the who's who in education. And now as we've become a full professional learning organization, we represent our authors work in every form. So whether it's uh, video resources, face-to-face -face workshops and training, institutes that we're doing, um, as well as long-term sustained professional learning in school districts all across the country and, and now moving uh, internationally. Uh, it's been an exciting ride and um, working on things like this survey uh, in partnership with the NEA and, and Learning Forward helps us really understand uh, the state of what's happening in professional learning. Well, let's talk about that. Over the last couple of weeks on TeacherCast, we have been talking about professional development from the role of the technology coach, from the role of professional development. Here we are, of course, at that time where school districts are starting back up and the first couple days are all about professional development. I'm excited to hear about this. Talk to us a little bit about this survey. I understand over 6,000 teachers took part in it. Yeah, 6,300 teachers um, really being able to um, have their voice heard, we hope. Um, again, a unique survey because, as I had stated earlier, uh, Corwin partnered with Learning Forward. Learning Forward, of course, is uh, the, pub the author of the uh, professional teacher standards that so many states have adopted, and we have a proud, long history of working with uh, Learning Forward. Uh, Sanja actually uh, is a former president of Learning Forward Georgia, so her expertise yeah. uh, is really important to us here at Corwin. And then the NEA, of course, and the advocacy work that they do on behalf of teachers puts this survey in a really unique place, uh, public-private uh, partnership in terms of, uh, of hearing what folks are saying. And I think part of what's extraordinary around what came out is that teachers value 
almost universally professional learning. Yeah. And part of what they know is they don't want it just to be episodic. It uh, shouldn't be one and done. Uh, it shouldn't be as we talk about random acts of excellence. Instead, what they're really saying is they want to have voice, they want to have agency, a seat at the table. Um, but most importantly, they want it to be job embedded and they want to do this on a regular basis um, because they want to personalize the work that they're doing because they know that's going to have an impact not only on their practice, uh, on their profession, but most importantly on their kids. So let's take a look at the survey as we put it together here. You guys took a look at professional development from seven different strands of professional learning. And you guys identified that as learning communities, leadership, resources, data, learning designs, implementation, and outcomes. How did you guys come to these different pillars and what makes up some of these uh, more important pillars here? Well, um, as you just noted, there are seven and those seven um, broad categories are the seven standards of professional learning, um, which are, you know, extensively researched by Learning Forward organization. Um, and Learning Forward has an assessment called the um, Standards Assessment Inventory um, with several of the states that they've partnered with. Um, the, that inventory and that um, assessment has been given to teachers across the country. And so those seven areas are, are very powerful and have been research-based to be closely aligned with um, teacher development and effectiveness and impact in the classroom. And from there, how did you take those seven standards and devise your survey? In partnership with um, Learning Forward and as uh, Mike shared, the NEA, um, we took the basis of those seven standards and from that we created, um, well, we supported questions that Learning Forward actually has already created. Um, in addition, there were some other questions asked just to make sure that we could get full teacher um, input and understand their perspective around those standards. Out of Everything that you guys came up with for this survey, I, I was absolutely amazed, and I love the findings that you guys hear. I just want to read a couple of these. It says, teachers report that their schools use student achievement data to plan professional learning, but they don't use a variety of data to assess its effectiveness. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think one of the things that's important is, is we know schools and, and teachers uh, themselves are swimming in data. Mm -hmm. um, but what data is used often is as uh, something that uh, is uh, summative, um, measuring the effect at the end. And what we really believe is fundamentally, especially in the work uh, that we do with John Hattie and Visible Learning, uh, which is the largest evidence base of uh, professional learning that's out there, is that the data that we've got, teachers should be using on a regular basis. Um, so that it's informing what their next step is. What's the next instructional move that they should make, uh, both in terms of the whole classroom, but more importantly, the whole child that's in front of them. Mm -hmm. And it changes from moment to moment. That's why it's uh, the work that teachers do is so difficult and so extraordinary and why professional learning is so important so that they can really understand what those evidence-based moves are and how to apply them and then how to measure it to make sure that um, they're actually having the kind of impact um, that's that's necessary to, to help the child have that aha moment. And I think that's part of what you're picking up there, Jeffrey, is um, something where there's been a narrative in this country for the last several years 
uh, that teachers uh, don't want to continue to do, don't want to do the heavy lifting, that they, uh, they aren't somehow professionals. They aren't taking uh, into account the work that they're doing. And that's just not the case. We know that to be not the case. And we can see clearly in this survey, 6,300 uh, teachers raising their hand and saying, I want to do more work, not less work. I want more training, not less training. And I want to have a way to measure the impact using the data that I've got around me. And that's that, that's part of the work that we do at Corwin. And certainly it's what Learning Forward and NEA advocate. You know, it's interesting that one of your findings is that leaders are interested in providing quality professional development. But one of your other findings says teachers do not appear to be deeply involved in those decision makings. And I know a lot of school districts might say, which, you know, here's four different options. Which one do you want? But they might not be saying why they're providing those four options or or, you know, basically putting the choice in the hands of those teachers. When we're looking at school districts creating meaningful professional development, what recommendations do you have for them to get the teachers and the staff not only behind the decisional options, but more invested in their particular learning? Well, I, I, one of the things that, you know, is currently occurring, I think, in many school districts and is valuable is having teachers have an opportunity opportunity to set goals um, for their professional learning around the data. Um, the data obviously is informing them around what the students' needs are, but many teachers are, you know, going to um, using that data to determine what their learning needs are. And so one of the strategies that's effective is giving teachers an opportunity to actually set goals where they are seeking uh, measures by using other aspects of data. Student performance is one of them, um, but other aspects of data that they can collect from each other, such as peer-to-peer um, -peer observations, going to each other's classrooms um, after a professional learning opportunity occurs. I think one of the other pieces, Jeffrey, that um, you're, you're picking up in that survey is uh, there's really two undertones, right? Two ways to look at that result. One is um, the fact that teachers don't feel that they were brought to the table at all. And in some cases that happens. Um, uh, but even in a world where that happens, I think the second part of, of what's being expressed in that, the result of that question is, um, I'd feel even better about it if I just had some context. In other words, why am I going? So can you explain from a district perspective why the um, workshop that we're about to uh, go into uh, is going to be important uh, to the work that we're doing this year? How is it part of the goal setting? Um, what is my role supposed to be? And we do find sometimes um, that teachers show up at workshops with arms folded, not because they don't want to be there. It's just they don't know what it is that they were supposed to do. And sometimes the aha moment of why they uh, have given a day or two comes at the very end. And they say, if I had just known what this was, I would have been prepared and had a, a much more deeply held um, uh, kind of experience because uh, I would have known the context and, and been able to ask the presenters the kinds of questions that would be much more meaningful. I, I totally agree. You know, as a teacher, sometimes we are told to go into professional development. And, you know, I, I also kind of tying this in, one of your last findings here is that teachers report that they're not provided the adequate time during the school day. And, and, and that's so true. You know, many school districts right now give a half day because they just want to get the teachers in and then to their classrooms. But that half day of learning could easily be brought out to being a full day or over a two or three day period. 
what do you find schools are using in this first couple days of school? Do you find a lot of schools are doing half day, full day, multiple day? And, and how are you seeing schools set teachers up for success in the first marking period by using professional development methods? Yeah. So um, one of the things, you know, I'd like to just note, which, of course, was mentioned in the introduction is I just recently transitioned um, from working in a school district and being very instrumental and in designing um, what that time um, would look like. And I would say to you that many districts and schools are considering um, how to target that learning around, you know, district initiatives. But in addition to that, um, what are the specific needs for the school? So now that we're, you know, able to access data, I think in a more meaningful way, and it's more accessible than it has been in the past, when teachers start the school year, the decision making around what the focus of professional learning can be, I think we're just better able to do that. So many of those days um, are totally spent um, for professional learning. But what we hear teachers saying, particularly for those days when it's time for them to, you know, start the school year is they would like to spend a little bit more time in their classroom structuring um, the classroom environment so that it is very receptive to excuse me, to the students coming into the building. So there has to be a balance between the two of those um, because professional learning is very valuable. But at the same time, we do have to give teachers that time to prepare themselves for the beginning of the school year and the entry of the students. And it's important that teachers get to know their students early on so that the professional learning that they're offered in the earlier months of the year is specific and targeted and relevant to the needs of their classroom. You know, I, I, I want to ask you guys a question here that's kind of been on my mind ever since I, I went through the survey here. When we're looking at the state of professional development these days, and I, you know, we have a chance to talk to a lot of teachers from a lot of places on TeacherCast here, there seems to be two different kinds of professional development going on. And sometimes we qualify that as saying weekday professional development and weekend professional development. And I know sometimes when we're looking at professional development and surveys and stuff, we're looking at things that schools identify and then train their teachers on. But then over the last six years, we've had these unconference movements that are professional development and they're not necessarily data driven. They're incredible voluntary learning experiences how do you find teachers are taking to the differences between top down you must because things like, you know, it's the beginning of the school year. Everybody has to do bloodborne pathogens and HIV and all these different trainings, professional development versus just going to a weekend ed camp, relaxing and spending time learning in a comfortable environment with other teachers. Mm-hmm. Well, Go ahead. Sonia. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think what's pretty awesome is that we're getting to the place where we have options for teachers um, and things such as ed camp is one example of that. But even as we consider more blended opportunities for learning, um, teachers are giving 
I'm, you know, I think they're having more input in the decision that they make around the type, the structure and the design for professional learning. Um, and from my experiences, um, I believe that I saw teachers feeling pretty empowered by having a choice, um, whether it's an online or blended opportunity and they have access 24 hours a day or they make a choice to go to an ed camp on a weekend um, where they see relevancy specifically to the needs of their classroom. And so the opportunity for us to expand the options, I think, is growing in the field. And I believe from my experiences that teachers are truly seeing the value of that, which then leads, you know, to types of opportunities where teachers can engage in micro-credentialed opportunities um, that are more targeted and specific to their needs um, and related to um, specific teacher competencies. And so you're right that there has been an expansion of options in the field and I and my perception as well as my experience is that is truly being valued by teachers. Mike, how do you feel? Well, I agree. I uh obviously I agree with what Sanja just said. And I think there's a couple of trends that um, we pick up on and, and have seen uh, in the development of professional learning. I, I've been working in this field for 25 years. And I think if we were talking uh, even um, not too many years ago, um, what most school districts would be doing right now is putting on a show for a day or half a day and um, have someone who um, is fun and funny and uplifting and inspirational and, and um, you know, as, as I would say, sprinkling fairy dust on folks and congratulating them for um, being noble teachers and patting them on the back. And, and that's that's the way we kick the, the school year off. Um, not a lot of substance that's there. And what's happened uh, over the last several years is you no longer have to have um, conversations where you're really talking about the fact that professional learning needs to be um, sustained, job embedded, um, and, um, and data informed uh, and evidence-based in, in over many years. Um, where the magic happens is in the classroom. So the professional learning that you're talking about that's weekday, um, we certainly are involved in that. but. What you saw from that survey is um, teachers are saying we need to have the skills so that it's every day. And um, and when we're talking about in the institutional setting and what professional learning opportunities uh, are going to be provided, they want to have things that are relevant, that make sense to them, that are impactful, that uh, respect their time and intelligence and professionalism. Um, and so I think we're getting even more sophisticated about what we're doing and the level of conversations that we're having on the weekday uh, pieces. If there's anything that's a criticism around the weekday uh, portion, just to stay on your theme, is that the episodic piece of professional learning is hardwired into the class schedule. Um, and that's the other piece that you see in that survey, which is saying uh, not that they don't mind going to the workshops uh, as long as they're relevant, but they want to be able to interact with the other adults in the, in the, the building on a regular basis, too. And so I think that's why you've got that other trend that you were talking about, which is the weekend, uh, which is, again, really speaking to the fact that teachers value their learning and that they are going to challenge themselves in ways to become the best professionals possible because they really care about those kids in those classrooms and, and they want to challenge themselves. And so I think it's in, in both cases, uh, they're incredibly valuable. One is about the institution, you know, sort of driving the, the vision of what the professional learning experience is going to be. And the other, the individual driving that uh, that decision around what she wants to learn over the weekend. 
you know, as we're looking at the different types of professional developments and we stay, we, you know, we take a look at what is the future here. I want to bring up one more kind of professional development that teachers are partaking in, which is the nonstop, the, the, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the hashtag chats. How, how do you guys, as people who have studied this from all different areas, standards-based, how do you see social media um, becoming more and more a part of professional development? Should schools be giving teachers hours or hour credits for Twitter chats? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the um, you know, we're still learning uh, an awful lot. I think the adoption curve, interestingly, in um, when you look at some of the st- statistics, um, technology use in the classroom, we lag behind most other industries. But teachers are leading the charge in terms of the use of social media and the way that they're communicating and learning uh, from one another. And so, uh, again, we've seen this transition from someone, you know, we used to talk about um, someone buying a book, uh, reading it over the weekend and using it in their classroom on Monday. Um, That's just not as relevant any longer. Um, They're asking for questions. They need solutions. They need resources for the next passing, you know, during the passing period. And so that's why they're using uh, Twitter and Instagram and and other things. We think that there's a real revolution that is coming um, and we're trying to figure that out. You know, that's the kind of feedback that we want to get from uh, the folks who uh, listen to your show on a regular basis. That's who informs the development of what we do. Um, we do the work that we do in service of and in support of teachers and educators. And so we'll be evolving right along with them. But I, I have to say that that revolution is coming and um, teachers are going to want and I think will end up demanding um, credit for that time spent. And it's probably time well spent. And I think that's where some of the micro credentials come in. I think that's where some other opportunities where you can have uh, an outside source uh, validate and verify the, um, the the rigorousness of the work that they're doing in in many forms is going to, uh, there's going to be new markets built um, mm-hmm. from that standpoint. And Mike, in support of what you're saying, um, you know, when you think about, uh, Jeff, the opportunities that exist through different social media platforms, again, it allows teachers to extend their learning opportunities and access information in many different ways, which is going to just continue to, I think, provide um extensive information, knowledge, as well as research around what are the most effective ways to support students. What we know, um, and I think, you know, teachers have communicated this for a long time, is that our classrooms are, you know, they they truly are reflective of many differences in learning um, styles and opportunities for students. And so we have to have more access in knowing how to better prepare ourselves to address the specific and individual needs. And as Mike shared, um, you know, the, the commitment and the passion that teachers have about the students in their classrooms and wanting to make sure that they're extremely prepared um, will continue to give them opportunities to seek additional information, um, whether it is in the form of a book or in the form of reaching out to another teacher who has had um, a similar you know, challenge or experience and finding real valuable real-time um, opportunities and examples from each other. And so just as someone um, actually wrote a blog for our Corin Connect around a year ago that talked about 15 different ways that um, teachers can engage in professional learning um, without leaving 
their bedrooms. So um, it, it is important, I think, that we continue to value how social media and those outlets are informing and supporting, I think, the extensive array of knowledge building around professional learning for teachers and leaders and educators. The survey is called The State of Teacher Professional Learning. My guests today are Dr. Sonja, Sonja Hollins-Alexander, the Director of Professional Learning, and Mike Sule, the President of Corwin. Guys, I want to talk to you briefly here about your findings. You guys have three recommendations for what the status of professional development could be here. Uh, let's just take a moment to talk about these three recommendations. The first one here says, we're recommending to provide opportunities for continuous job-embedded professional learning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I think the, you know, when we talk about uh, continuous job-embedded uh, professional learning, it really goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about um, with you from the beginning, Jeffrey, which is that um, schools and teachers should be in alignment in terms of what is it that they're all trying to accomplish. And um, if what our problem of practice generally is potentially um, English language arts, math, and it could be uh, academic language or a focus on uh, our L population or a focus on equity, um, then how are we going to attend to those things? And again, it's not about it being episodic. It's about it being embedded in the work that we do every day. How are we being honest about our practice? What are the moves that we need to make? And how can we hold each other to account in a good way? Um, this is about creating positive learning laboratories in each classroom mm -hmm. and really positive learning organizations in each school and in each district. And I think we collectively as a profession have a do have to do a better job of talking about the fact that um, we're always progressing forward we're learning new things we're getting new evidence and findings around how to um, do the work that we do and so it's got the only way that it's going to be informed is by uh, being job embedded as john hattie uh, recently said um, when we were together um, the uh, the age of um, evidence-based research is over where the real impact is, is evidence-based teacher practice. Mm -hmm. And we really talk about the fact that we want to have teachers who move beyond saying, uh, I think, or I feel, to being empowered to say, I know. Mm -hmm. And I know because it's informed by the work I do every day, and it's informed by the research uh, that's out there. And uh, I am a professional, and, um, and, and you've got, I got to be counted um, to, and be trusted in that way. And so I think we're, we're in the midst of something that could be pretty extraordinary if we find the right words, the right coalitions, and uh, empower our teachers to do the right things in their classrooms. I love that term, learning laboratories. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember on that one. Um, your other two here are use a variety of sources of data to plan and assess professional learning. And then finally, include teachers in the decision making about their own professional learning. When we're looking at this year and when we're looking at things moving forward, what should a school district be thinking about as they start the next school year? How can we use this entire school year as, here as a school district to set our teachers up and our students up for success? Um, let's, have, uh, let's start with Sonja there, and then Mike will give you the last word. Yeah. So as uh, Mike um, referenced just a second ago, and I like the term too, Jeff, the learning laboratory, that's really cool. And so when we talk about data collection, we're talking about real-time observation data, what, you know, teachers and leaders in educational, you know, um, 
leaders see in the classrooms and in the schools. And so what can and what will happen this year, I feel very confident, is that schools will um, look at the experiences that they are engaged in um, and consider, um, you know, specific goals and targets for their students. And it's the perfect time for them to think about Am I, you know, meeting those targets? And if I'm not having the right conversations with each other around what may be the challenges and what can I do to move forward? And I would say to you that I think that that not only is going to happen to inform them for next year, but that schools and school districts will actually engage in that this year. Um, that process really is never ending. Um, it is a process of job embedding and considering the, the deep implementation opportunities of applying and what I think teachers and leaders learn from professional learning, but adjustments along the way when they see that there is a need. So those adjustments will definitely occur within this school year, but that which they learn from this school year will help to inform them for next year and years to come. The beauty about schools, I think, and just, you know, my love for um, being there for over 20 plus years is, um, you know, we are always seeking to see what's the best way to do our jobs so that we can make the greatest impact on teaching and learning for students. That focus never leaves, leaves sight of educators and so I'm certain that this year and years to follow, whatever data they receive from what's happening in those buildings now is going to be very supportive of what happens for them in years to come. Mike, you got to follow that. That's pretty cool. I know. <laughs> That's why we hired her. <laughs> the, um, you know, I think building off of the, the data theme, uh, which is very important, um, is that it I would encourage districts to use this year to have very honest conversations, which is how are we looking at holistically the work that we're trying to accomplish so that kids can own their own learning, so that teachers' voice is heard and they feel empowered and that we're all rowing in the same direction. And oftentimes what ends up happening in conversations and in decision-making is we put things into boxes instead of realizing that they're all interconnected and we've got to address them uh, all at the same time. I'll give you an example. Uh, oftentimes equity and access uh, issues are ones that are put on the back burner until we deal with literacy and math challenges because our scores are going down uh, or we because we've got other issues to deal with like classroom management. Classroom management issues often go away when you actually deal honestly headlong with the equity and access issues that you've got or challenges that you've got. And that means having some hard and, and often uncomfortable conversations. So it's about gathering that data. It's about setting up uh, the conversation and being honest. It's about mapping out the direction of where you wanna go, not over the next year, but over the next three to five years so that we are providing the greatest uh, opportunity to the that, that those kids that are coming into our schools every day, whose parents are trusting us, and whose kids are trusting us to inspire them. Um, we can't forget that. And the other part is we always talk about the bad things that are going on. There are more good things going on than, than aren't. And in those honest right. conversations, it's also about highlighting and charting. Where do we need to be celebrating? Where do we need to be, be uh, shouting from the rooftops about what it is we know and what's happening and what good things we're doing 80% uh, of the time with folks? 
And, um, and we often in this profession don't celebrate the amazing achievements that we have. And we fundamentally feel at Corwin that public education is the cornerstone of democracy. And so really rigorous conversations, being really clear about the fact that this is hard work, but it's the right work. Um, that's what folks have got to do in the next year if they haven't done it already to set them up for success and ultimately our kids and society for success for the long term. We're really passionate about this work. As you can tell, we get excited about it every single day and um, you know, really lucky that we were also able to work with uh, the NEA and Learning Forward on this very important, uh, we think, groundbreaking research. Yes. Well, I certainly hope everybody who's listening to this takes a moment. Uh, the survey is going to be linked over on TeacherCast, of course, for our blog post here. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your passions here and talking to this. The, the survey is absolutely awesome. Um, I hope you guys out there who are listening or watching, I'll certainly make sure that it's linked on iTunes and linked on YouTube to everybody. Uh, Dr. Alexander, tell us a little bit about where we can get a hold of you if we have any questions about the survey, uh, email, Twitter, anything like that. Yes, yeah, so certainly um, email, uh, my email address um, here at Corin. Um, my contact information is on the Corin webpage, but um, getting in contact with me by email would probably be the best way. But would love to just continue to um, engage with people and um, just continue the conversation. Excellent. And Mike, where can we find out more information about the great things happening at Corin? I'm happy to, obviously, you can look at the Corwin website at uh, corwin.com, um, but certainly happy to uh, take any questions as well at uh, mike.sule, S-O-U-L-E-S, at corwin.com. I have a Twitter handle, but I must admit, Jeffrey, unlike you, I need some lessons, um, so uh, I, I haven't tweeted in a while. Uh, so email for me is still is still the best. <laughs> Guys, one more time, thank you so much. And out there, thank you guys for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. I hope everybody's enjoying the beginning of the school year or as uh, we are right here, the end of the summertime. There's, of course, several great ways that you can be a part of this and all of those shows on TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And please take a moment to subscribe to this and all of our shows over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and TeacherCast.net cast.net slash YouTube. On behalf of everybody here on TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.